This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The crime, Mansfield Towns defending at Warsaw. The punishment, another defeat and yet more anger. Retribution? We'll have to wait until Saturday to find out if the Stags can deliver that. Yet another 3-1 defeat for Mansfield Town sees them plummet back down the table as the season starts to set in. This time, though, there could be no excuses about poor referees, poor decisions. Only the Stags have themselves to blame with defensive error after defensive error. Some would say it was absolutely criminal. Talking of criminals, in inverted commas, Stephen Quinn handed yet more suspended games, a total of six games for him to serve in the clinky now, five more to go. The good news doesn't keep coming though. In fact, Nigel Clough may wonder if he's been handed a sentence of his own. Defender James Birch, still no news on his condition and when he can return to the starting lineup. And the unknown Will Forrester, who was supposed to be back in contention by now. Another two weeks until we'll see him on release from his parent club after another injury setback. But as Rochdale come to town, can the Stags get back to winning ways and get some retribution? Let us know your thoughts in the comments on the show for the fans and by the fans. This is the Mansfield Matters Podcast.
not been the best of weeks for Mansfield Town, has it? Another 3-1 defeat, more defensive mistakes and three more games added on to Stephen Quinn's original three-game ban, making it a total of six games, five more left to serve. Mansfield Town need to find some retribution. They've had the crime, they've had the punishment, but can they find the retribution they need to get back uh, to winning ways and get back on the points table. Get involved in the show now and let us know your thoughts as always. Were you there at Warsaw on Saturday? Do you need to bleach your eyes to get rid of the, the sights? Do you need to whack yourself over the head to get it out of your memory? Or even better, don't hurt yourself. Just get involved in the comments right now and let everything go. There's a lot to talk about right here on the show for the fans, by the fans tonight. This, as always, is the Mansfield Matters podcast. And joining me to moan, to bitch, to argue, and to get it all out of our systems, we've got Salford's finest, Mr. Cam Felton, and we've also got the older, wiser stag, Mr. Clive Parking. Good evening to you both. Clive, I was with you on Saturday at Warsaw. It was a horrendous day. And I've noticed now that I've pretty much done every game of this season so far with you. Are you my curse? It's possible. Um, I think uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the person that's always optimistic. And so that's probably where the problem lies. I, I really need to approach games in future with a bit more pessimism. Um, and I think the club's doing its best to encourage me to do that. Um, but it was, I mean, any, any other team we were watching playing in the yellow shirts on Saturday, it would have been so funny because the, uh, our defensiveness was comedic. And as I said to some Warsaw fans on the way out, how the heck didn't you score more than three goals against us? Because we were not there, you know. Any ball booked in the air, give it to them. And we did. Cam, we could well, you know, we're looking to change things up on Saturday. Nigel Clough could just go to somewhere where there's roadworks, pick up two traffic cones, whack a stag shirt on them and play them at centre-half. And they'd still do better than what Hewitt and Naughty did on Saturday. That, for me, has got to be one of the worst defensive performances. What did you make of it? What did you make of the highlights? We kicking and screaming. It was horrendous for us. I think my seven-week-old probably could have done better on that one. It, it was woeful. I just don't see how we could turn it around at this point. Not until at least January when we can get some new bodies in. And I think maybe we were a bit naive in, in August, not getting in a few more bodies in. Instead of going for plan A, plan A, plan A, should we have been like lining someone up in the re- in, in the background? And it, it just seems to have backfired. And it just seems to be one thing after another. And I think just... Just to top this season up so far, obviously missing James Perch for another however long is just not going to help us. But it's, I just don't really know what, what can really change. Um, it's just disappointing considering we started so well in the opening three. And then since, since then on, we've well, it's, it's been since the Bradford game. It's just been all downhill since then. It has. Uh, We'll delve into some of your comments, which are coming in thick and fast in just a minute. But Cam has started the podcast early. He's got me riled after just eight minutes and he's mentioned something there, which is absolutely spot on, Clive. And it's the question, isn't it? It's the big question. Why did we do the same as January? Why did we just target plan A? Why did we leave? Why did we let plan A go on for so long before we went after plan B, C, D, E, and then eventually ended up with plan F? I don't know. I think Clough arrived like the great Messiah 
and his reputation has gone before him and everybody i think was pleased that we had, we managed to get older clough um, however uh, the time is approaching when he's going to be held to blame for just about everything that's going wrong sure it's not his fault that stupid goals are being considered on the grass sure it's not his fault that perch had an accident in training which has given him some form of serious head injury um and it's not his fault that some of the players that we expected to perform well are not doing but everything else is down to him and his team and he's got a big team and it's really true now that people are questioning the ability of that team to recruit players the players that we've recruited are not up to it seemingly um Maybe they will be later, but at the moment, they're just not worthy of a place. And uh, we don't forget, in Clough's brother, we've got a full-time recruitment specialist. Mm. And we've got a full-time managing director that's there to help out. We've got 128 coaches and 1,000 analysts. Um, you know, back in my day, you had a manager, assistant manager, and a man with a bucket. Uh, and I think we've gone too far the other way. And it's just not adding value to the spectator appeal. So maybe the, maybe ask the bucket if it can play centre half. Well, it would have played better than Narty, I think, if it, if it had been. But you know, let's be fair. Narty may well get, get another game, and he may well yeah. turn out to be a brilliant player. And let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's only two games in, and mm. he only had two days with the club before the first game. Um, and it was a comedy of errors. And, and I've got to assume logically that that's not going to happen at the next game. I've got to assume that they will feel so bad about their performance at Walsall, that they will be motivated within themselves to go out and make a better performance against Rochdale. And of course, we've got the captain back as well. Having said that, and I don't want to let this to turn into a tirade, I don't agree with Clough's tactics of naming and shaming players on public media. He's twice now shouted out Hewitt. Now, I've got to assume if he got anybody else other than Hewitt to play in that position, Hewitt would have, would have seen the last of him by now because it's clear from what Clough has said he has no taste for him at all. That's, well, but he recruited him. So, yeah. you know, let's be clear about that. And he's also called out other players. I don't agree with it. I'm not a manager. I don't pretend to be. I just don't like it. We'll come on to that a little bit more later. I want to stick with this uh, plan A for, for so long for now. Um, I, I think, Cam, what is very, very frustrating for me, you know, like you said, it's... We clearly had a target in Tom Naylor in uh, the summer and that was very, very early doors before, pretty much before we did any other business. Keep your comments coming in on this, by the way. I want to hear your thoughts on it as well at home. Um, and when that didn't happen, you know, that happened quite early. We had ample time then to go after plan B and C. Why on earth? I'd just give up on that telly, mate. That's just going to do all that do that all night long. Why on earth? Why on earth did we leave it so, so long to try and get somebody else in when it was clear that's what we needed? That was Clough's game plan. And that frustrated me because it was the same in, in January. I mean, all right, the January transfer window at the time, you know, we were doing all right, but we had to shift players out before they came in. We went over that. that that's fine. I, I've got no real issue with that. But... We didn't learn from our mistakes and we've done it. We've seen, we've seemingly have done it again. We've taken on the last day what I see as panic signings and that's not good enough if we want to be, as a club, going out to compete. That That's just not, that's not enough for me. Like Clive said, we've got these play, these people, these staff in place to go out 
and to to identify these targets. I know it takes time, but surely it doesn't take that long because in reality, we're talking maybe eight, ten weeks from when we identified and lost out on Tom Naylor to panic signing Richard Narty and James Forrester, who is still unavailable. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, I just want to bring up a comment that J- uh, Jamie's just said, why don't players want to come to us? I don't necessarily think it's players that don't want to come to us. I just think we t- spend too much time dilly-dallying, personally. Like, too much <clears throat> umming and ahhing over, oh, should we sign him or should we just keep looking at him and then we'll go for someone else? And I think that that's another reason why the Tom Naylor thing is so frustrating because we, we, it's like we spent so much time focusing on him that it seems that everything else was like brushed under the carpet like oh we'll deal with that another time and it's like we could have had a b c d and e through the door but we've ended up with x y and z because we've missed out on b c d because we've taken too much time and it it just seems that we've we're on the back foot constantly i think we did some great business at the start but defensively, it just seems that we went firstly with a cheap option with Elliot Hewitt, and it, it just seemed that Narty was very much just a rush thing at the very last minute because <coughs> we needed a body in. So it, it's so frustrating because um, it's not like we're playing what like, until the last three weeks. We weren't playing horrific football. We just couldn't. See out again in Bradford. We didn't deserve to lose that game, in my opinion. And then from there on in, it's just been a downward spiral because we've not had the confidence. And I think it's a team that we've we've got that needs confidence. And obviously, Danny Johnson, another one, he needs confidence to go out and score. He's not really done. He scored opening day, and then he's not really been in and around the goal. He, he's created chances, but it's just it's just not falling for him. And that confidence. Same with Reese Oates. He's not been there. He's been in and around the squad and looking dangerous, but until the Harrogate game, he didn't really look on the ball. And then we get that goal. It looked dangerous the rest of the game, but it's just the rest of the team that that let us down on that one. And it's a frustrating thing. And we just need to compose ourselves, get get a draw on the board, stop the rot, stop the losers, get a draw, stabilise ourselves, solidify ourselves. Thank you. And then go after the win because we can't just go into every game expecting, oh, we're going to win this, we're going to win this, we're going to win this. We've got to be realistic and we've got to we've got to find that balance between actually playing football and then also being defensively solid because we know we can score goals. It's just being so porous at the back that's, that's letting us down so far. Uh, it's like Paul says, players at this level who are free are free for a reason. Nigel Clough was asked about that in his press conference this week, whether he'd uh, delve into that free agent market. And uh, he's basically said there's nobody that's good enough uh, out there. If anything else changes with another injury, etc., uh, then that might change. Uh, on the subject of Hewitt, Jamie says, Hewitt is a poor player. His history isn't the best. He took Notts County and Grimsby down. Uh, at least he's done one good thing in his career then. Um, Ian says, why does Clough say they've always played well. Yeah, that's another niggle of mine as well. Uh, Paul says, tough game against Rochdale coming up, Craig. They are playing well, and if we don't raise our game uh, and defend efficiently, we could take a heck of a beating. Uh, Craig Foster says, if someone would have offered me some rope on Saturday, I've have taken it. It, was pre- it wasn't pretty defending, uh, was horrendous, and I've probably seen better Sunday morning 
uh, watching uh, my son Alfie's uh, under-12 teams. Um, on Saturday, though, we go again. Um, Martin asked, why did Clough sign Naughty? Um, again, I think that's probably a little bit of... Um, uh, desperation in terms of the final deadline day and getting bodies through the door um, and missing out on targets, probably B and C. I probably think, it, realistically, Naughty and Forrester were maybe, you know, E and F sort of targets. Pedro says, what was the extra three game ban for for Stephen Quinn? Uh, we're not quite sure. Uh, and Jamie says, the problem is we are not playing as a team. We are playing like we don't know each other. Um, that was certainly evident a little bit on on Saturday, Clive, if we're looking for, uh, for something to... Um, you know, to pinpoint for why we didn't play so well, because we were missing three leaders on Saturday. Let's not forget that. We're not, I'm not making um, excuses here at all for, for the way they played on Saturday. I didn't applaud them off. It's very rare that I don't do that. I was pretty disgusted with the, the effort and the performance we put in on, on Saturday. But uh, Jamie has a point here. We're not playing as a team. We don't. We we are playing like we don't know each other, and that for me, Clive, is because we're missing three leaders. Perch out for an indefinite amount of time. Still no idea on the results of his scan. Obviously, Ollie Clark was suspended. Fortunately, that was for for one game. Although he's not entirely captain material for me. I think there are better options in the squad. That's another discussion for another day. And then the big one is Stephen Quinn. His absence was, was very much felt in that midfield. Yeah, you, no team can afford to lose that that those three players in the way we have. And given the other circumstances as well. Somebody asked, what, why does Clough find things to praise in the team? Well, I think that's his job. But there are in pockets some good football being played. And, uh, you know, apart from, we've, I think we've only been outplayed, and I'll, I'll qualify this in a second, we've only been outplayed by one team so far this year, and that was Harrogate. And that's because they had a much better game plan than ours. Uh, and they, they, they thoroughly deserve their victory. Walsall didn't outplay us. We took the game away. And, you know, we have missed other games. We've missed points by the smallest of margins. And you, you've got to believe that, that will happen in both directions over the course of the season. But at the moment, we're in a hole. And the hole is one that only the squad of players we've got that are fit enough and free enough to play can get out of. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm full of uh, undiluted confidence that uh, Saturday is a new game and we'll approach it. With a, with a bit more vigour. But I'm glad to see Clark back, although I take your point, I don't think he's a natural manager, and in fact, uh, captain. And if if you've seen his interview, and I don't want really you putting that on later, but if you've seen oh, his interview, yeah. he can ball for England. <laughs> oh dear, Ollie. Oh dear. Um, I, I, do you know what? I, I do agree with, with that. I, you know, I've said it a number of times. I just think this this better leaders um, in the squad. I think he's still a relatively young player. That's a, a, a worry for me at some t- sometimes as well. Can that it is a young squad, and we need a few more more experienced heads in there as well. Signing the two defenders, you know, w- was was fine because we we got the numbers in there. But none of that back for a realist. You know, really, really massively experienced. And I think this is, you know, why Clough has been speaking in the week about potentially starting Ollie Hawkins at centre-back on um, on Saturday. You know, he, he's played there before for his, his previous club. He was easily our best defender on um, on Saturday at Warsaw. And best was player captain, full stop. Yeah, best player full stop. And was captain on the day um, as well. And I felt did a, an okay job in difficult circumstances there. But the point is, Cam, when your manager is coming out and saying that your centre-forward is a better centre-back than 
the other centre backs at the club who are all fit in Naughty, Hewitt, and Rawson, there's absolutely something wrong there. Absolutely something wrong. See, I, I think Naughty needs time to settle into the squad. Like we were saying before, it, it's it's one of those things. He's very much been chucked in at the deep end, but I don't think he's going to succeed at the club until we, we've got someone solid by the side of him because it's it's the same with the, the with the Rawson thing. I don't think Rawson's a bad defender, but he just looks lost when he's not got that that reassurance, that security next to him. Do you know what it is? It's like it's like um and you'll like this. It's like when Evelyn gets a little bit older and starts to walk and you've got to hold the reins. That's what James Perch does to to Faz Rawson. Yeah, exactly, but you you saw it last season. You think from Christmas onwards, really, when Clough really got his his teeth into the club and and the style of football he wanted to play, Rawson was a fantastic defender, mm. better than Ryan Sweeney was towards the tail end of that season. And he just offered that security and the stability, but obviously, without Perch, we've, we've just not to find that balance yet. And I think Naughty will be the same. I think if you stuck Naughty with Perch, I think he'd be a fantastic defender. It's just that that defence that that needs that reassurance and and that quality. But and then even on the right back situation, I think obviously it's a massive loss to have Kellen Gordon injured and and then for so long, and then to throw him back in, and then he has poor games, and then we end up playing Hewitt there, and it's like it's nuts because Hewitt had a decent pre season at right back, and then he's just had an absolute shocker so far. And I really don't understand what James Clark has to do to get a cane. I tell you he what, must... chaps, you've got to ask yourself what Mr. Meliers was thinking when he was sat in the stand because he wasn't allowed oh. to play. He's looking down at the pitch and looking at the two players that Mansfield Town have acquired because they think they are better than him. Yeah, and, and their commentators were apparently saying this, the same thing yeah. uh, in their commentary. Um, it's crazy. And you know what? It'll be exactly the same on Saturday with Corey O'Keefe missing. That's the only thing I'm looking forward to playing, playing Rochdale because they have started flying and all of their goals and all of their good movements comes from that right wing back side where Corey O'Keefe has been playing and getting man of the match and getting into the team of the week every other week. So it'll be exactly the same. Got their player of the month. Yeah, uh, it says it all. Uh, Nathan Edge, I don't know who he is, uh, says it's all very disappointing at the moment, but made a little bit easier for me in the sunshine by the pool. I hope you get horrible sunburn, you horrible little man. Hope you have a brilliant time out there, mate. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon because I'm sure you would add excellent rant value to this absolute shower which we are putting on uh, at the moment. Uh, keep your comments coming in. Jamie says, um, I'd like to see us go back to 4-4-2 and tighten things up at the back. Hawkins has to start at the I back. I wouldn't start Hawkins at the back personally. You wouldn't? I think if we're going to play anyone at centre-back, I think we'll play Jordan Bowery personally. I mean, you you won't find anybody on this panel, Cam, in me and Clive, that will probably disagree with that, to be fair. Um, but it, it says a lot. It says a lot, doesn't it? When we're sitting here saying that the only way to tighten things up at the back and stop us conceding goals is by playing essentially two centre forwards at centre back. I think going forward, obviously, Ollie Hawkins offers a bit more. So I think the, the, the wise choice would play Jordan Barry at centre back. But. Uh, hey ho! It's just one of them things. I think it's what's more more important now is the clean sheet that everybody's talking about the most important thing because if yeah. it is, then you can sacrifice Hawkins' attacking prowess 
and put him in the defence because he's got the presence. He can head a ball. And he's proved a couple of times he's probably our best defender from set pieces. Um, we, need, we need the, the stability that the, the draw would give us a bit of confidence, but we also need the confidence going forward. And I don't think Johnson and Oaks on their own can do it. And I don't think that the midfield have really got fired up so far this season. You don't look at Ollie Clark. Yes, he's had a match out, but you don't look at him and think, right, oh, he's the same Ollie Clark from last season. Same with George Lapsley. doesn't look the same so far, but he's a little bit off the pace compared to the others. Harry Charlesley, yet to come back into the squad properly. And uh, Jason Law, what's what's his deal? Mm. It's, it, it's, one news sub on Saturday. Yeah, again. Um, I didn't think he had too bad a game, to be fair, when he played in the under-23s. But again, the difference is there. But he played well last season. I, I can't quite put my finger on what is going wrong at the minute. Obviously, we're just not we're not good enough defending. I saw a stat on Twitter, D3D Football, excellent uh, podcast um, about, you know, um, League Two and League One. They quite often put stats on and it was saying that in terms of entrances to the opponent's box this season, Mansfield are top of that list. Yet how on earth can we be top of that list but not be, con- not be scoring goals? We've not quite got the partnerships right I thought Johnson and, and Hawkins were were going to hit it off but it, it's not quite worked I would like to you know I, I think for me the last word I'm going to say on the defensive situation for the minute and I think for me it's a dead cert of starting Hawkins at centre-back for me I, I, I don't care I agree with what what Clive said that question of what's more important at this minute a clean sheet or scoring goals a clean sheet because if you get a clean sheet the least you're going to do is get a point and that's that's all we need to kickstart a momentum at the minute for me. And in order to do that, we need a leader back there, an experienced person who, who's going to marshal the game. And I think that is Ollie Hawkins and because you've got more options up front, whether you play Tyrese as an out-and-out striker, whether you play Johnson and Oates, whether you play Johnson with Lapsley just in behind. There are various different ways you can put that front that attacking front line than what there are the defensive front line for me. So an absolute certainty is playing Hawkins at centre-back. And then if it gets to 60 minutes, 60, 70 minutes, and we've not conceded the goal and we're on the front foot and we're chasing the game and we've got a Rawson or a Hewitt on the bench or whatever, then bring them on and put them at centre-back and try chasing the goal and, and maybe gamble and flip the coin. But for me, the baseline at the minute is 100% keeping that clean sheet and starting from ground zero because that's how you get places. That's how you go on to to stop the rot. You stop the rot by stopping, you know, you stop a flood, don't you, by plugging the hole. That's all well and good. You know, we'll put 14 defenders on the field and in three, three or four minutes into the game, we can see the stroppy goal again. What's your plan then? You know, because... The whole thing was predicated on not conceding goals. There has to be some balance in the side. There's no question about that. I, going back to what Cam was saying, though, I think our forwards are, are suffering because poor service from the midfield. Um, Lapsley's just not making that connectivity that he was doing last season. And you know, we've, and he's not contributing in other areas either. And I think he's, he's, he's a good yard off the pace at the moment. Um, and the midfield as a whole hasn't uh, performed the way it, it, we fun, know it can. Fun. I suppose with the lapses thing, he's he's slow. He's late to the party. Same with Harry Charlesley. Um, obviously, another injury for him. So it's frustrating because the best two of the best players that we had last season just aren't either clicking with it or they're still not quite one hundred percent ready. And it's so frustrating because it's where where we were playing this high intensity football last season, 
uh, and closing down very quickly, forcing the defence into rash clearances or or making errors. It's just that we're not closing down. Other teams are closing us down. And we're the ones that are making the mistakes. And we know exactly where it's going wrong. We know every single game where we're going wrong. But it doesn't take a genius to fix it. So why is it taking two, three, four games to actually get to a point of um, some some form of stability and without compromising either at the front or the back? It's just so so ridiculous that it's like um, like Alistair's comments of like uh, back four of O'Keefe, Mane, say Sweeney and Benny. It's like. We changed the team so much, and it's like, yes, we've we send out these players, but Rollin could have done a fantastic job for us this season. I don't think he was that bad when he came in. I just think at the point where where Clough came in, it was just that all over the shop with every single position that we got. That I don't think he really had a chance to really make an impact, and especially when Perch really started to perform. And you look at Ryan Sweeney at that point; he was undroppable. But then Christmas hit and he was a shocker, which by that point, we'd already sent Manny SA out. The problem, I think, with uh, the Manny SA thing is that, you know, he was very much a Cochrane player. He signed for Graham Cochrane. He won a little bit similar to Ollie Clark in some ways. He'd only really played at Bristol Rovers under Graham Cochrane and, and then, you know, fell out of favour or whatever and, and didn't get game time. But when Clough came in, it you know, we'd gone from playing that horrible three at the back, which had been so successful for us in previous years, but with the different personnel wasn't working and there was no reluctance to change it. And for whatever reason, Menayese just didn't fit in that um, and, and didn't get a look in because, like you say, Perch came in and did an excellent job. Sweeney was performing. Rawson was, was improving game by game. And as a young player who's, you know, signed for a club who wants to play football... Um, when he went to Nigel Clough and said, I want to go out and play football, I think he'd probably lit the torch paper then because he, he went in and said it early doors and that was it. He wasn't going to get a, get a look in. Um, and that was the issue. What he probably should have done, he's got his head down a little bit more and, uh, and you know, fought for his place and, and, and seen what happens. Because if he did, maybe a little bit similar to O'Keefe as well, he may have stayed. But... I don't think we can sit here too much and say about ifs and buts because, you know, whilst I agree with the comment from Alistair about a back four of O'Keefe, Manayese, Sweeney and Benning, three of those players, well, in fact, all four of those players aren't at, at the club and aren't likely to be to wear a Mansfield shirt in the future whilst Nigel Clough is the manager. We can't sit through Saturday and go, how much of a difference would it be on the right-hand side if Corey O'Keefe was playing? Because he's not our player. We've made those decisions. We've got to back who we've got. We've got to, you know, play with what we've got and um, and and just go with that. Um, and we've we've got to build. I think it's more to do with with systems. We you know we started off with that four four two diamond. It worked well for a little bit, and then teams figured us out. Um, we then switched to this four two three one with that attacking. Uh, front line, which almost goes to a four-two-four, but players are all over the place because of suspensions and, and what have you, and that's not working. We have to go back for me to what is Mansfield Town's basic, and that is four-four-two or the four-three-three. And to start off with, it's a two banks of four, four-four-two. Stop Rochdale playing football. We dictate the way we want to play. We say how we're going to play, and we defend from the front. 
and just be strong on Saturday and build from there. Because if we get a good result on Saturday at home, Clive, the fans will pick up on it. They will generate noise. And all of a sudden, the tide turns again. Yeah, absolutely. And all is not lost. It's still very early in the season. And two two good games makes us a completely different side in a completely different position in the table. Instead of looking behind, we're looking forward again. So hopefully we can start picking a few points up. But you're right. And I think going back to the clean sheet argument, what that would do is give so much confidence to the team from the back forwards, which is what we need to do. I I feel really sorry for Bishop because he's done very little wrong. And yet he hasn't got a clean sheet to a clean sheet to to his name so far. Um, so I think that's a starting point. I agree with you, Bank two banks of four is the way forward. And in doing that, that might just provoke the opposing team to pull itself uh, wider and deeper in order to get uh, the advantage they're seeking and leave space for our two strikers, which at the moment they've been marked out the game. Well, we all know what we think, but what does the Stags boss think? Let's head inside the Stags dressing room now. And here from the man himself, Nigel Clough, speaking earlier this week to I Follow Stags. It's pouring at the moment. Uh, every little thing, it seems, uh, is going against us, you know, on the pitch, off the pitch uh, and everything else. But we've got to deal with it. He got done for two separate incidents and it was a little bit confusing uh, the way it uh, came out from the FA. Uh, but he has got six games, so five more to go. He can play in the EFL Trophy game uh, home to Sheffield Wednesday at the start of next month. Uh, but he misses the next five league games. We were very disappointed. We thought uh, it was excessive, um, the punishment. Uh, I mean, he's been banned for six games and he's hardly touched anybody. Uh, so we think it's excessive and we're disappointed, obviously, in the decision. Uh, but he's been disciplined accordingly and he'll be a big miss for us. You know, I think when everything uh, is going against us as it, as it is, we have to sort of rally round, uh, close ranks a little bit uh, and start fighting and scrapping for everything that we can. Uh, you know, I think that, I think the crowd, even on Saturday at Warsaw, is disappointed and, uh, as everybody was. I think they understand that everybody's glaringly obvious the problems that we have and what we need to fix them uh, or try to fix them. So, uh, but, you know, when you're missing a few players and things are going against you, need everybody uh, on Saturday, crowd especially, uh, to stick with us. But we consider everything. When you've got four straight league defeats, uh, everything's uh, on the table uh, in terms of personnel, uh, people coming back into the team who haven't been in it so far this season. Um, but we had a good chat with the players yesterday um, and then we started work on the training ground and it'll continue all week. Because he is probably as good as we've got at centre-half, uh, although we haven't actually seen him play there and we know from past uh, things that he's done. Uh, but he's also our best centre-forward at the moment. Uh, so if we can do without moving him, we'll, we'll try and do that. Uh, but irrespective, the, the ones who are playing, uh, whether it's you know, Elliot Hewitt, Richard Narty, Faz Rawson, they have to do better than they've done uh, in order to keep goals out. That's it. That's, it. that's the bottom line. Uh, yes, we're missing James Perch. Yes, we've not got Will Forrester. Yes, we missed out on three or four in the transfer window. The ones who are playing have to do better. Stags boss Nigel Clough speaking to I Follow Stags. You can hear more from the Stags manager by visiting mansfieldtown.net forward slash I Follow, where, of course, uh, you'll get much more interviews as well. Lots of good stuff on there uh, with the Stags boss. And, of course, you can hear from midfielder Ollie Clark um, as well. Uh, much more to come on that. Just having a little look at the league table um, as well ahead of uh, Saturday's game at home to Rochdale. Uh, they're currently in sixth position. Three wins, two draws and two defeats uh, so far uh, for the Dale. So hopefully uh, the Stags will be able to uh, get back to uh, winning ways. Although it'll be tough um, on uh, come Saturday, hopefully the Stags will be able to uh, 
put in a decent performance and go toe-to-toe with them. Two very good teams uh, attacking-wise, but we'll see, of course, what happens with that. Lots of interesting comments there uh, from the Stags gaffer, uh, Clive and Cam. Uh, interesting that he was talking uh, in that little clip there about you know moving um, Ollie Hawkins, saying that he's as good as we've, we've got at centre-back, like we mentioned earlier. A couple of other things from his full interview as, as well. Uh, saying that we've missed the physicality and the leadership of Ollie Clark um, and that the the run and the rot really set in from that 93rd minute penalty at Colchester. Is that a mindset thing, Clive? Is that something you'd, that you'd uh, agree with that perhaps that's lingered in the mind for a little bit too long? I suppose it's possible, but I don't believe it is. I think if that is the case, then they should all be ashamed of themselves. I think the... Uh... These things are going to happen. Daft refereeing decisions are going to go in on all season. We we have some of the poorest refereeing standards anywhere, I think, in League Two. Um, we're going to get sometimes we're going to get the run of it, and sometimes we're not. I, I would argue in the first game this season we got the run with the uh, penalty against Bristol. So I think you just have to say that's one of those things that's going to happen. What we should have done is closed it down, and I, I think everybody, including the keeper, had some role to play in not doing that. But that's gone now, and I think. I've listened to Clough. I like him a lot, but you know, most of his most of his uh, interviews that you've just played was stating the bleeding obvious. Yes, the players have got to play better. No shit. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I think the uh, uh, and, what, uh, and you can blame the players for not playing as well as they could, should, and were brought in to do. What you can then blame the management team for is not having people as alternatives when that's their entire role. The recruitment team, their entire role is to find people. And if that's the best they're coming up with, if that was my business, I'd be asking questions about whether I want to be paying their salaries, not the players. Anyway, well, rant over. No, well, no, no. Um, I'm going to keep this rant going because we've had an interesting comment coming from Peter. Everyone's entitled to their opinions, of course. Um, just what is David Sharp's role at the club, says Peter. Everyone was saying with his background and experience what an asset to the club he seems to have done nothing, though, to help him with decent players. Clough was treading water after the Naylor deal went sour. There's a lot more to the CEO role, Cam, than you know just signing players, though. Um, you know that's almost a side thing. You know, football is a business. The Stags is a business fundamentally. So his role is is not to do anything. If anything, the question mark should have been hanging over. Simon Clough and the analyst team. Well, yeah, I think well, even Clough himself, I think, can take a bit of blame for that one. Because at the end of the day, it's his decision. Do we want this player? Yes, no. So it can be down to the analyst or it could be down to, to Simon Clough or it could be down to David Sharp. But at the end of the day, who we sign as a player is... Totally down to to Nigel Clough, in my opinion. I think had it have been someone like um, Greg Abbott back in those old fun days oh, no. when we signed Mickey, Jose, and George Grant, I think we were very much backed into a corner. We uh, for Dave, uh, Dave Flitcroft had to sign those players. I'll say I said it before, and I will say it again. Greg Abbott crossed his promotion. Well, exactly, on. and it's not like we're being backed into. Behind. It's like I think Clough. Very much. I think he panicked, maybe. Because mm. he was very much like, we couldn't get target A. That wasn't down to anything. That's nothing that we could have done. Because that deal, we know exactly what happened that we deal. It was that, that was the agent that, that pulled that deal. That wasn't anything that we did. 
Mm. The medical was done, everything was signed, dish bash bosh, and then it just doesn't happen. And, and we can't do anything about that. But the way that we reacted to it was poor. And I don't... Essentially, what David Sharp does is finance the deal. Is it... Can, Clough, can the club afford this said player? Yes, no. Essentially, yeah. that's, in my opinion, that's all I think really Sharp does is balancing yeah. the books. I mean, uh, to be honest, there was a really, really good video done um, on on YouTube on transfer deadline day, which looked behind the scenes when we signed the two players. My understanding is that you know Sharp's there to question the finances and to to get the deal, make sure we get the best deal possible for the club. You know, we, we're not going to go out and sign. Um, a player and and put them on stupidly massive wages and then they're not performing. You've got to to get it right and you you've got to get the the right people in. But he's also there to look at things from a business perspective. He um, is, and, and well. I think you're, you're doing me a disrespect if you think it's correct. He has a great deal of involvement in player selection. I think he's the robotic arm of the Radfords, really, and mm. I think he's doing a good job in looking after their yeah. their business. Uh, and I don't think we should question that at this point. No. And let's be clear also, deadline days happen two days a year and recruitment seasons are two months a year. There are other 10 months when this club has to make good decisions about itself. Yeah. If I'm critical of the club, not the not the management player management team at the moment, is I just wonder how good they can be or how much better they can be at improving the customer experience at Field Mill. Because there's a lot of tired stadium there. And, it, you know, we're paying sensible money to come and watch a game, to sit in cramped seats, to have poor facilities, especially in the Ian Greaves upper stand where I sit. And, in fact, recently we've had a bit of a flood up there with water running down underneath everybody's feet. And it's happened for the last three home games. I've complained to the club. or I can say complained. I've pointed the problem out to them by email, not had the courtesy of a response. It's things like that that really aggravate me. I can put it with most things, but that I find astonishing because the most important person at any business is its customer. Yeah, I think let's touch upon that for a a couple of minutes because honestly, talking about how rubbish we are in the transfer window and and things not going right and things like that, that's we're just repeating ourselves week upon week. But we'll come back to a little bit on players and and questions that people are coming in later on. But Clyde raised a very good point. And I said it a couple of of weeks ago, in fact, at the start of the season. Um, I agree. Fan experience is not where it needs to be. And this actually goes back to David Sharp because this is his area. This is what he's there to do as CEO of the club is to enhance the business in the best way possible. Now, winter is setting in um, and... I think what they've done, I don't know if you've noticed in and around the ground, they've tarmacked a few areas and made it, you know, a little bit nicer to look at outside the ground. But winter is coming. They've got this outdoor bar area, which seems to be busy on a on a, on a match day. But there are no benches and no umbrellas. And I, I think in that area, they've got quite a lot of area there. There could be some benches put out, some umbrellas, maybe some outdoor heaters. And especially next to the 3G pitch, where a lot of fans seem to congregate, Cam. In fact, we've sat there quite often, haven't we, and had a chat before the game. My dad, your dad, me and you having a, a chat there. In the wintertime, when it's hammering it down and cold, more when it's raining, you're not going to want to sit there because there's going to be puddles. Could they do a bit more to put benches to put a little club shop booth a little program booth out there in that what is now dead space to like clive says enhance that customer front-facing match day experience because i'm fed up of trancing up and down the ground trying to find the bloody program seller 
<laughs> There's only it. one. <laughs> exactly. So I was thinking, I don't know why the, the club don't just get more of the youth team to sell it, the, the academy. You see them dotted about here, there, uh, there uh, occasionally, but it just seems that they're always stood in the same place. It's not like, um, oh, God forbid, I can't ever remember his name, one of the older guys that goes around selling 50-50 tickets. Um, he's, he's everywhere. Barry, he's a legendary Barry. I love Barry to bits. What he's a guy. He's everywhere, but he can't do it all on his own. And it's just these different things. And I think it, it's quite difficult to, to pinpoint exactly where it is. And as as a fan, you, you want to go and have, firstly, value for money um, for, the, for the football. We're not getting that currently, but it, it's still something you pay for. The second thing is you, you want to pay. You want to sit there in comfort. You don't want to... You don't want to be uncomfortable as a fan. And I think the club have done a fantastic job with the Quarry Lane end. Um, obviously, moving the family block over there, the family room, the the sensory room, improving um, the concession stands um, behind that stand. And I think it's just a bit, bit more... It's more of a welcoming atmosphere. And if if... We are going to succeed as a club on and off the pitch. We need to attract younger younger fans, younger families that are going to start coming week in, week out. And we've done well at that. You think the, the quarry lane end for the family block, it's it's not full every week, but you get a, a fair few in. So we've done that. We've now got to target those that are, all, that are current customers, those that have been long-time customers, such as ourselves, who, who have been going 15-plus years now, um, you need to be looking for the long term and looking after those that have sat in the same seat week in, week out, no matter how dog shite the football's been, no matter how dog shite the weather's been. Can we have less dog shite, please? <laughs> and mate, I've just spent half an hour picking loads up outside. I, I'm fed <laughs> up with it. But it's just all these little things that just need to make an improvement. So, yeah, like leaking uh, a leaking roof or a leaking pipe or whatever it is, up where Clive and Craig and, and Chris and whoever else sit up there and 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 other things like the the toilets where I sit, they sometimes can get a bit flooded, just where the pipes have just got a bit old and the seal's gone on them. It's just things like that. The last thing you want to be going is is think- going into the toilets and you're getting wet feet and then your feet stink for the rest of the game. And because you've got wet feet, you get cold feet during I the winter months. We, we so I think, sorry to interrupt you, Cam, but we have to respect the club has gone through a very difficult financial period. Mm. Uh, therefore, I can excuse them to a certain extent not spending more than they absolutely need to on infrastructural jobs at the moment. And I'm gratified. But, but you point that out, but the whole ground got repainted. The interior. All the well, blue and yellow concourses, they all got a fresh lick of paint. Did they? Was that really a necessity? when it didn't look that bad in the first place. I'd agree I mean, there, are, could, there are priorities, comes... aren't there? And you've got to get them right. I mean, I think it's far more important to go to a toilet and find a toilet seat there than to have it brightly painted. And I think, um, you know, I, it, I find it infuriating that the away fans have got better toilets than the people in the up, Ian Greaves upper. That's because um, Notts County ripped them out a couple of years ago. That's well, why they maybe, maybe we need to get them in the home end then. And then <laughs> I'm not, not advocating that whatsoever. That, for clarity, is, let me an finish, is a let joke. Me finish the point. I think we, can, we have to get, 
have some forbearance because they can only really spend the money they're generating. And last season and mm. half the season before, it was all negative money. So, and the, we're fortunate we've got a we've got owners that are prepared to take the strain at the moment. Um, and going back to the managing director, it's his job to try and balance the books as well. So I think there are things they've just got to say I can't do at the moment. I'd rather them they. I'd, I'm happy with that as long as they tell us. But there's no communication either. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, having said that, they did tell us we've got a sparkling new scoreboard coming before the end of this calendar year, which is really good news. Again, yeah, yeah that is Where true. Where did they find the money for that? Uh, well, exactly. This this is the this is the point, right? For me, I'm not bothered about the scoreboard yet. Just get the horrible, the old thing down. The outside experience is as much the inside experience for me. Jamie in the comments says they need to put a marquee up with the club's colours on it and be selling match day programs. Completely agree. It it'd be cheap enough to do it. They've already got the the groundwork in there from year, a couple of seasons ago when they had the you know the the match day fun fan zone thing which lasted all of two weeks. But it was good why it lasted. Let's not let's not excuse that. It was good why it lasted. Um Alex says I feel as though when coming to clubs like Lincoln um in the past they have their match day experience bang on with live music uh, and the use they make of their car park area for fans uh, during game days. Absolutely, again, spot on. Um, I remember Stevenage a couple of years ago randomly had a, a little band outside creating a bit of atmosphere, a nice little um, vibe as well. It, it was good. It, it makes a nice day of it. It makes a nice feel. I mean, for me, sometimes walking up the quarry lane through the gates, it can be a little bit... Um, it can be yeah. a little bit little bit dead. I want that buzz and that excitement, you know, before a game as well. And is I that think because this... the PA is not any good. Well, no, <laughs> that's another thing that that's another thing that people are complaining about the PA being. Well, it's good in certain parts of the ground. Yeah, again, the away, yeah. That's the away fans because... get plenty of PA, but I mean, well, the point is, on that one, you can't hear a thing. Well, exactly, but that's the thing. If you can't hear the PA announcements from Alan. What chance have you got hearing any safety announcements? Should we need to evacuate the ground for whatever reason? <laughs> well, it, it sounds ridiculous, but you've, you've got to think of this logically. If you can't hear anything that hang Alan's on. saying... Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Did you just say the words think and logically? You, <laughs> you, university has changed you. Uh, Peter says, our club shop is an embarrassment. Going round away grams, uh, see what way they have to offer, uh, puts ours um, to shame. Ours yeah, is just a cupboard. Yeah, and it's just it's recently reopened this week, but only four can go in it at once. That's not going to make it attractive on, on match. Hey, so not, the, and the you're not four is... fat people either. You can't no. get four and fat people in there. They've taken away the, the hut from outside the entrance to the 1861. That's now another bar. Yeah, well, that, that's that's the point I was making earlier. You know that hot, you know that's thriving for that, and that's what led me onto the benches thing. But again, I completely agree. That was a good driver for Matchdale Matchday sales. Those little things, you know, you know, dad and and kid coming for the first time. You know, they want a Sammy the Stag Teddy or a scarf, and you don't want to be queuing to to get into a club shop to have four people in there and then because the, it, everyone's stressed and they're trying to deal with the ticket office at the same time it becomes too much of a nightmare yeah it's good yeah. during the week when there's not a lot of footfall but on a match day you want another area there you need something else there you need to enhance that experience and for, for me I would have shelved the scoreboard and that money which they've obviously ploughed into that and left that and ploughed into the experience because like Clive made a great point earlier and I'm not disputing that that we've had a, a hard year, a hard 18 months with no fans coming in and no match day revenue. But in order to accumulate, you've got to speculate. So 
Well, surely that's what the scoreboard is. It's, it's an investment in a medium for selling advertising. The wrong that, investment. Well, you might be right, but I'm, I'm pleased to see the back of the old scrappy that was a scoreboard. Um, do you think uh, on the on the, the club shop thing, they've kind of just gone like, well, we've got these plans for the hotel. That was going to have the club shop in it. Have, we, have they kind of just got, I mean, that whole hotel thing's just gone on the back burner completely. Have they just thought, right, we're not going to pump a load of money into that because we're hopefully going to build out onto that stand and, and create this extra retail space? And I it, think it's unlikely that that development will now go ahead. I think the, the world's moved on. Yeah. Um, and it's nobody's fault. I um, mean, there are, go on. Do you and think I, that's the reason that the club shop's been left behind, though? I think so. I think there, there were plans to incorporate a, a, a stag superstore within the structure of the hotel, I think. And that was fair enough. If you could see that coming along, you, you, you put up with things, don't you? I think on a more positive note, I think um, in the programme notes, uh, John Radford alluded to the fact that he was keen now to emulate what other clubs had done with, their, with the Bishop Street side of the ground. Let me find it. You contemplate keep talking, safe standing. statement. Because we've all said we'd like to see the Bishop Street side used as a terrace again. Um, keep the keep the um, the camera position there, but uh, and just turn it into something you know clean, safe, and low key. And I think that's the that was his thought process, um, and that would be good. And that ties in with the scoreboard as well. We don't need the we don't need the accommodation at the moment because we're only selling between four and six thousand people to a game. But if we do find some success and, and we start getting regular full away attendances, as we, we, we can do, then we're going to be pinched for space from time to time. And I think if the, if the ambitions of the club has undoubtedly got for us to be promoted at least once, then that's got to figure in, in part of that infrastructural improvement. John Radford's programme notes, by the way, uh, for what you were alluding to uh, a minute or so ago with that safe uh, terracing uh, and things like that. Um, this is talking, following on from the Harrogate game, uh, the programme notes read, it was the first time that Carolyn and I had made the visit to the Enviro event stadium and our impression of the ground reinvigorated a previous consideration about safe standing at football stadia. Following our first-hand experience of Harrogate's ground on Tuesday, we are exploring the, pol- the possibility of a safe standing terrace on the Bishop Street side of the ground. This would be more cost-effective than previously intended new tier stand and could aid an already excellent atmosphere inside the one Call Stadium. We know there is a desire amongst a proportion of our fan base for a standing area, and this is something we'll be looking at into the uh, something we'll be looking into over the course of this season. We'll update you on our findings when appropriate uh, to do so. Um, again, completely, um, I, I would back that 100%. I think it'd be great. And I think what Jamie actually says in the comments follows on from that as well. As a club, we need a better club shop and ticket office. If we ever redevelop uh, Bishop Street Sand, I think we should put the club shop and ticket office um, in there. The only so- problem with that one that I've got is access. It's very cramped on Bishop Street already, and that's without actually having access to the football ground. If you go and buy a ticket or you go and buy something from the club shop, where do you park? It's, it's, not, a, it's, not, it's a non-starter for accommodation point of view for that reason, and access from the corners of the ground isn't, isn't good anyway. But when it was built back in the day, it, it sufficed. Bishop Street was one the main access to it. Nobody had a car in those days, so it wasn't an issue. Mm. Um, and it was at one time that was the only seat in the ground had the Bishop Street stand. 
Uh, um, Nick says, sorry, Clive, I thought you'd cool. done. No, carry on. No, no, carry on. Uh, Nick says, some of the clubs in our league have a small club shop in the town centre selling merchandise. Do you think that's something we should pursue, especially considering the amount of empty shops there are in Mansfield? I remember a few years ago in the conference days, there was a little shop um, in town centre, which I think is either flats now or... It was the uh, build up to Wembley and it was on... Um, yes, near Barnet's Head. Near Barnett's uh, Barbers, who do a fantastic yeah. job with my hair. Um, who told uh, you that? Yeah, funny. I, I think I think the club with the club shop thing. I don't think it'd be profitable for the club to do that. I mm, personally, yeah. because realistic, you look how busy is the club shop currently? So, like during the week, non-match days, other than buying tickets, yeah. compared to how busy is the club shop when it would be open on a match day? Good point from Jamie here. Um, what about the retail park next to the ground? Obviously, you've got... Um, units are too big. Un- units, they, they are too big, but... Um, and they're very expensive. And yeah. very expensive. But, you know, there is something that you could potentially do with that. I think there are options I mean, to be explored. And do you know what? We, it says a lot at the minute. I think it, it's good that we've not... That we've deterred away from the football side of things for a little bit and had the discussion. I, I certainly want to have more of these in, in the over the course of the remainder of the season. But... I think it says a lot that we're able to talk about these and share ideas. But like Clive, I think you said it earlier, there's very little of this which comes out of the club. There's no fans forums anymore for whatever reason. There was the virtual one last season where, of course, questions were naturally uh, vetted and vetoed. But maybe to get that fan engagement back going and build those relationships up, it's something worth worth looking at these conversations need to be had there was an excellent point of um that somebody made earlier which was um you know it's 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 you've got to be right on the pitch before you can be right off the pitch because the two go with each other someone else says that we're Mansfield not Manchester United and it's just about you know us sharing ideas and I think supporters have a voice they're entitled to their opinions about what's going off on the pitch but they're also entitled to uh, to what's going off off the pitch. It's their club, it's their experience. And well, it's all right saying that when Mansfield and Man United, not Man United, when Lincoln were in Artwell, they just got promoted from our division, they announced a signing of Tyler Walker at their city centre store. It's there's, there's lots of questions to be asked, isn't there? I, I think there's a case for an off site um, retail unit, especially if your ground is a fair way from your town centre. Um, but I've got one, and in a big student accommodation area, that's always useful to have. And if the accommodation is cheap enough, so there's lots of ifs and buts. I wouldn't, I wouldn't see that as a priority. I'd see as a priority doubling the size of our existing club shop mm. by putting an extra porter cabin against yeah. it or whatever you need to but do. Also, on going back to the the point about the retail park, well, Frankie and Bennett shut recently, and another issue that we've always had is that away fans always struggle to get. Tickets, collection from tickets. So do you t- do you just like just throw the dice and go like right? We'll turn this into um, into a retail unit with a separate ticket office. Your away fans can literally get off the coach on the the train station car park. You can get off the train. You walk round the corner. You collect your tickets from there. You walk across the car park. There you go. And then it just yes, it takes the stuff away from the from the ground but surely that's better than 
what we've got currently and it's whether the club would be willing to make the investment and like Richard says yes Lincoln's got a large catchment area but it's still the point we're, we're similar sized clubs Listen, you're making a good you're making a good point because there are smaller clubs than Mansfield Town who do it better. So we can do it better. And there's an expectation, and I think fans are entitled to have pipe dreams as well. You know, we all want to see our our club something better than it is, and whether that's a new scoreboard, or better floodlights, or better pass. Pies and pasties. It, everybody has a different view on these things. Yeah, those sausage rolls have been a disgrace the last out, couple of games. The most important thing is getting it right on the on the grass at the moment, and, and that, perhaps we ought to steer our conversation back towards playing matters. <laughs> yeah, we probably should, and we'll head into the dressing room again in a second and hear from Ollie Clark, the captain, um, and get his thoughts on it. But I always like having these discussions; they're always hopeful. But if anybody from the club is watching, I think it is important cam that maybe we do look in the future of having a few more of these open fans forum and share these ideas because what is the one thing that matters the most of course it's Mansfield what is the one thing we want the most and that's to get as many fans as we possibly can in on a match day and going home having enjoyed the day it is the most important thing you think fan experience is the number one one driver and, and what drives that is, is success on the pitch, but also a, a great fan experience. And I think another thing, when you get an alienated club to the fans, you look at something like, you look at what was happening at Swindon before they got took over. Absolute shambles. Same at Oldham currently. There's just no mm. no con- communication between we've the higher levels. There, we? We've got better communication than a lot of them, but the last thing that we want to do is is spiral back to where we were, what five, six, seven years ago, where we were just not we were doing all right on the pitch, but we weren't doing great. We weren't meeting the expectation of the fans, mm. and that led to poor attendances, which meant less money to reinvest in the club. And the only way that we got them fans back was actually throwing the money at it. <laughs> I we bought Steve Evans in, which which boosted the numbers automatically, and then. Same again when Dave came in. It was just throwing money at it to get the fans back. And we've got fans at the moment. You think we got, um, obviously, we're like six or 6,000 against against Bristol Rovers, obviously boosted by the away fans. But then against Newport, it, it, it dropped again. And it's like, yes, we need to not only be attractive to us, but we also need to make sure that away fans are wanting to come to Mansfield and, and, and being able to get these things right. No, away, away, away fans don't matter. The only person that matters um, is Ollie Clark. Uh, we're running over time. We're going to keep talking. So let's head into the Stags dressing room and hear from the Stags captain. Back from a one-game ban, here's his views. We hit the ground running as we wanted to. Um, we knew that we had a tough start at teams that were probably more favoured in the league. Uh, and unfortunately, we've sort of come away from it the last couple of weeks, two, three weeks, where we've got some... In different results, down to luck, individual errors, things like that. I don't think the performances have been too bad at times. It's just one of those where we're we're not keeping the ball out of our net at the moment, and it's it's highly frustrating for everyone. In recent games, we probably haven't had the decisions go our way at times, and and down to the fact that we have made individual errors from all over the pitch. Really, it's it's not just being pinpointed to one person. It is like different areas of the pitch that are costing us and that is it basically we haven't really started that badly in terms of our performances at times but we haven't 
we haven't managed to keep the ball out of our net. And I think once we get a, a clean sheet, that will definitely build confidence for the team to move on and, and obviously start picking up more positive results again. I enjoyed the first couple of games. Everyone's on a high because we've won, we won three, uh, one, two, and drew one. So it was like it was a good start first three games. But at the same time, you look back at the last three or four games and you always analyse it in the respect of how can I do more, what can I do better, and, and I know that I've made a couple of errors for goals in terms of marking and Preston. I, I slipped and gave the ball away. So it's one of those that you can't really be too pleased with your performances when the results haven't been going that way so so you've got to analyze yourself first and foremost and, and look at what you can do better we had obviously Lapo contribute nine or ten goals last year me and Maris have got one each so far so we'll be looking to obviously get more goals from midfield and I think the way that we play we're always going to create chances when I look back at the first couple of games I think that I probably should have had three probably should have had two at Swindon on a personal note so it was frustrating not to not to sort of Get, in, get them in there but it's one of those things that we, we work on and we look at trying to improve in every week at trying to get goals from all over the pitch really. In real time I knew that I'd given him a little tug but I felt that I got my, my arm, I felt that I got my leg across to actually win the ball in terms of the tackle that I made so I was a bit surprised to see the red card come out and when it was real time, I thought that somebody might have been covering round but then you watch it back and it's, it is one of those that can go either way. Um, it looks worse from one angle to another, do you know what I mean? So when you analyse it, it's probably one of those that might have been justified and that's probably why we didn't appeal it in the end. That's the captain, Ollie Clark, speaking to I Follow Stage. You can hear more from him by going uh, to mansfieldtown.net forward slash I Follow. Uh, I can tell you that the conversation about the off-pitch stuff has been going off in our private chat during that. So neither Clive nor Cam have heard anything which Ollie Clark had to say in there. Um, so I'm going to come straight to Cam to throw him under the bus. What did you make of what Ollie Clark had to say there, Cam? Uh, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's straight, straight away, when the referee pulls that up for the red card, I was thinking, well, surely that's a free kick the other way. Clark, Clark definitely got in front of his man and, and yes, there was someone covering him. So I don't really understand how you can be sent off for... Being fouled, I thought Clark got got between the the striker and and the ball. I thought Clark was the one that got fouled. So the fact that he got sent off for it, and the fact that we didn't appeal it either, uh, just bewildered me even more. It's just nuts, but it's football. Yes, I think we we've had the the rub of the green on on some occasions. And I think the one that always people spring back to this season was was the penalty against Bristol Rovers. That's a stonewall penalty. I, I don't. I, I, I hang my opinion to whatever. I do anything, but it's just when when you can so against something in the game that that Harrogate it was just ridiculous. There were fouls given for for little things against us. Harrogate would get away with absolute murder, and then Ollie Clark gets sent off for that. Stephen Quinn. That's a different story because that's just stupidity. I don't know what he did to get the other other three game gap ban, but tell you what frustrates me more about that one is none of the officials saw that mm. in real time during the game, all of the officials missed that. So how can it be a red card? I can only say, I can only imagine that when um, Mr. Quinn has gone to the appeals panel and uh, the appeals panel have gone, uh, okay, Mr. Quinn, uh, we're going to ban you for uh, for three games for uh, for misconduct. He's turned around and just gone three games, 
three, you can swivel and, and, and said something really, really naughty and flipped the table over like a petulant child and gone, three games, you're having a laugh. And then he's gone, no, another three. And then Mr. Clough has had to pull him away. Can I just say, because obviously Cam wasn't listening to the uh, the soundbite that you put up, but uh, um, I, I think uh, in support of the referee, and, and he's confessed it in the interview, I don't think there's ever a place for a Mansfield captain to be giving an opponent a little tug. <laughs> right, innuendo's done. Let's move moving back. On, moving, on. <laughs> moving very quickly on. Uh, let's move back to the fact that he is back involved on um, on, on Saturday. Good. Fortunately, one game ban. Our opinions on him as a leader aside, it doesn't matter. We need somebody in there, yeah. and we did miss we did miss him at, at Warsaw. I think what we've got to do now, though, is we've got to get the system right for him. Where's best for him to play? Who's best for him to play on side? And for me, we haven't really mentioned him too much. I think we actually need to look at bringing Harry Charlesley back into the fold because I felt last season they had quite a good partnership. Him, Maris, and Charlesley as a midfield three, you know, with, with Lapsley, you know, a little bit forward worked wonders last season. I think Harry Charlesley could well be the one to, to come back in. I didn't think Sturk had the best of games at, at, at Warsaw. I was very, you know, I was praising him a lot in the under-23s game, but the vast difference is clear for all to see. Harry Charlesley, please. What's your thoughts, Clive? Oh, last season he was worth his place. So there's, there's got to be a, an opportunity for him. I think the reality is, though, we... we uh, we, we depend on our midfield being also good defenders and and, uh, and that hasn't worked as well this season, probably because of the lack of quality behind them. Uh, and it's exposed Maris quite a lot, in my opinion. Um, and I think uh, we do need to get back to having those three midfielders with Lapsley in front, whether that's in some form of distorted 4-4-2, as well, I think most of us would, would be happy with at the moment. Um, I don't know. But yeah, Charles Lee is, is, is a good player. On his day, he's the best midfielder. Um, and I think uh, I'm glad to see Clark back. Um, uh, and I think, uh, you know, once we've got uh, our uh, band one back, um, we, we're back to something like a solid midfield again. But uh, uh, in the meantime, we have to make do. And I'm not quite sure what format to take for that. Mm, it's certainly been an interesting one. Uh, Cam, we are going to do the podcast predictions in just a second. But um, I'd like your thoughts on... I'm going to transport form you into the body of Nigel Clough. I'm not going to do it by a Photoshop thing. If I thought about it, I would have done because I think, let's be honest, um, the let's let's just be all appreciative of where's it gone? Can never find my mouse when I need it. Of this absolute class of Stephen Quinn in the jailer suit. Can we appreciate that? Who has done that? Very then? impressive. That, that was me. I was bored yesterday when I got home. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, um, I'm going to put you both into the body of, uh, into the mind of Nigel Clough. You're in charge on Saturday. You've got the team sheet in front of you. You've got to name your team. What are you going to go with? I'd be interested to see uh, the, vari- the variation in, in what you go with. So I want a formation um, and then obviously the the, the, the 11 that you, you're going to put out. I'm not bothered about the stubs, subs, just give me the 11 you're going to put out. Cam, I'm going to start, um, going to start with you. Uh, the formation. Oh, this is gonna be a good one. Uh, four four one one for me. Um, and it's gonna be Bishop in goal, right back James Clark, centre back 
Jeez, this is a good one. Uh, Rawson and the other centre-back, Narty. Uh, Left-back, Stephen McLaughlin. Left wing, going to go with oof, Jason Law. Uh, centre-mid, Clark and Lapsley. And on the right, Charlesley. And then the first of the strikers in behind, I'd probably say Oates. And then up front, Hawkins. Okay, so uh, an interesting lineup there. Clive, what are you going to go with? What's, what's yours? I think I'll, I'm safe to pick Bishop in goals, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I got along with Clark, I think. It's worth a go. Um, Rawson and Hawkins as the centre pair. And drop Naughty and uh, Hewitt um, completely. I mean, obviously, they'll end up on the bench. But um, McLaughlin, Maris, you keep Maris in the side? Probably, because we're a bit thin, aren't we? Um, obviously, Ollie Clark coming back in alongside Charles Lee. And then you've got Lapsley and uh, an Oates. Mm. It's not perfect. It ought to be stronger at the back and the and the and the midfield unit together. Um, and going back to what we said earlier, that's we we believe that's more important than banging a couple of goals in at the moment. Yeah, um, for me, um, I've written. I was writing mine down um, during that whilst I was listening to you. Uh, for me, I'm going to go back to the uh, the four three three, but it's also going to become uh, more of a four five one as well at times and, and close off the midfield. Uh, and it is uh, it's this. Let's see if the camera focuses on it. Um, I've got to go left a bit. Uh, so we're going to go Bishop in goal, uh, James Clark at right back, Rawson and Hawkins at centre back, uh, Stephen McLaughlin at left back. A midfield three of Harry Charlesley on the right-hand side of the three. Clark in the middle, Maris on the left. Uh, and then uh, Reese Oates out on the right-hand side. Johnson in the middle and Jordan Bowery uh, on the left and possibly switch Bowery and Johnson out. Um, making Jordan that Bowery up front? Really? Yeah. I yeah. thought you were saying a couple of weeks ago you'd, you'd seen Jordan Bowery's last game for Mansfield up front. I was. And you know what? You've got a, you've got a point. But, you know, sometimes you've got to remember where we were strong last year. And I'm looking at that piece of paper that I've got in front of me there. Barry was much better on the left. Barry was classed on the left-hand side of that midfield three, as you, as you say. Um, obviously, we've not got the other two um, up top. You could probably potentially put Lapsley in there, but I think Oates is a better wide player who's got pace, natural pace to drive at people. And I think Johnson can be quite articulate to feet. We're going to re- you know rely on that person to come and step in there. And Hawkins at centre-back is a is a must because if Clough says he's the best we've got at centre-back, then you put him there. It's as simple as that. Um, oh, can I just yeah. say that Oates has to play because he's a my screensaver on my phone. Well, there you go. So the wallpaper. So there you go. I, I, I'd go with that. It's a familiar formation for us. That midfield three have played together a lot. Uh, Charles Lee is defensive-minded. He can push out to the right-hand side and support. There's options in there. We need to now look, though, for podcast predictions. Cam, going to start with you for this week. Oh. I reckon Ollie Clark will get one. 
I think I'm going to go for yeah. I'm going to go for a two-one win. Clark and I think Maris will score off the bench. Maris off the bench. Okay, Clive, what are you going to go with? Nil-nil. Nil-nil draw. Fair enough. It's, it's, yeah. Same loss. Um, I am going to back us for a draw. I think I think it's going to be a one-all draw. And I think Jordan Bowery is going to score. I'm going to go with that. Do you know what? There's a few times in this season where I think Clough has watched or listened to this podcast. Tyree Sinclair, long throw, right? Prime example, right? There's other other things that I can think of that we've, we've said as well, which have sort of mysteriously happened. Do you think he's watching now? This team is after this piece of paper. He will screenshot this and be going for <laughs> Ryan, that. Ryan, I didn't time. mean any of it. All right. You mean Nigel? No, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Along with Jamie. <laughs> Do you know what? It's, it's, it's been a long hour and seven minutes, hasn't it? I would have to change my caption from old git to the forgetful one. I think you might have to. Um, and with that, I think that's pretty much all we've got time for. If you want to play along with podcast predictions, then of course you can do so. We'll put all the links on our social media. Cam, Clive, uh, my thanks to you as always uh, for joining us. We hope that Nathan has a fantastic holiday. Um, as well, remainder of his holiday. We'll be back, of course, on Sunday um, with the Sunday sermon. Sorry that we missed this week. So I was in London at a comedy store where the first act was um, improv. The second act was a duo called Rawson. Not Rawson. Sorry, Ross. Uh, called Hewitt and Naughty. Yes, I did a Clive and forgot his name. <laughs> That though is all we've got time for today. My thanks as always to Clive and to Cam. And to you guys at home for getting involved with the discussion as well. Some great points have been made on today's show. The crime has been Mansfield Town's defending. The punishment has been the defeats. But can Mansfield get retribution? Rochdale at home next at the One Four Stadium. We've got to end this rot somewhere, haven't we? Get down to the one call on Saturday. Back the boys. Sing loud. Be proud. And hopefully, from Sunday afternoon and the Sunday sermon, we have something more positive to talk about. From me, from Clive, from Cam, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time on the show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield always matters. Goodbye. The views expressed in this broadcast are solely those of the individuals. For more, ncfcmatters.co.uk. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. 
Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.